You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Friends, welcome to episode 15 of Storyteller Conclaves, the show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level, I am Sarah. And I am Rob. Uh, you know the drill. Uh, we have a Patreon. It's up, and we are always looking for more supporters, and we truly, truly, truly are blessed with our current supporters. Uh, they have done a great job, and we would love to hear from you. If you guys uh, get a chance to listen to the show live by going on the app, uh, you can actually chat with us right in Discord, and we will talk with you live on the show. Uh, I know there's not a lot of you guys, uh, you Patreon users are using it, but that is a benefit that you guys have. Mm -hmm. Another benefit is as we have guests, you will be allowed to see some of the chats that we have in the green room and be able to help us guide those a little bit. Uh, So uh, as time goes on and we start getting uh, more guests, which I know we've got one coming up, but we'll allude to that uh, in a couple weeks here. Uh, Once we get that locked in, uh, we will uh, will have that available and you'll see them and be able to chat with them too. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, we still no, uh, still no word on the, uh, the, the listen live on the no, website. Uh, no, no updates know, just yet. It is so. still getting worked on. Though, yeah. So. As far as I know, we haven't seen anything new from the engineering staff, so we'll have to wait to, to hear how that works out. Yeah. All right. So this week's topic, mm-hmm. uh, we're continuing with our, uh, 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 with our long topic of, uh, building campaigns and stuff like that and building, building game sessions, really. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we wanted to take a little bit of time to talk about one shots tonight. Yes, uh, the the bread and butter opening, if you will, uh, what everybody talks about within their 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 inner circles of that one game or that one session that they played. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, I mean, one shots are really great. Uh, uh, just, just kind of all around for like a lot of different reasons. Um, if you've got, you know, very limited time to, uh, to play. Oh, yeah. And you're not able to run like a regular recurring game mm-hmm. or something like that, but you still want to get, uh, get your friends together and, uh, uh, and play some D&D or something like that. A one shot's yeah. great for that. Yeah. We've got actually, uh, last year I went to Gen Con with some guys mm-hmm. and, uh, this year we decided to do something lighter. So we're kind of taking a, a time off from doing anything big. Uh, but we're all getting together and one of the things we agreed was we're all going to write up one shot. Oh, that's uh, great. And decide bef- the week before we go uh-huh. which one shots we're going to do. And since we're only doing like four days or, you know, four days and nights, mm-hmm. uh, we're we're going to have to figure out which one we're going to do. So I've got to figure out my one shot that I'm going to run right. during that time. And funny enough, I may actually run Robotech. Oh, yeah. oh that's exciting. Yeah, that's a callback. Yeah. Huh? yeah, I might preach on some characters to a mm-hmm. certain level just because the generation process can be a little yeah, sure. daunting. But uh, yeah, a perfect example. We've only got a couple of days, but that gives me more than one session. So a one shot doesn't necessarily say it's one sitting session, mm-hmm. but it might be like a weekend. It might be like three days in a row. Well, you sure. Know? It's, but, a, it's a concise story though. Mm-hmm. Um, and but, typically – Consecutive sessions, meaning right. like not months in between to run yeah. a one shot. You might yeah. run it over a weekend mm-hmm. or something like that. So, yeah. So our sketch pad kind of, you know, kind of had this lined out, but 
we I will honestly say both of us did not talk about this much beforehand. <laughs> so well, look, in interest of full disclosure, though, um, this is this is a topic that uh, I I would like to learn a lot more about. Oh yeah. Um, because typically my my storytelling experience has been very uh, based around larger, longer oh, yeah. campaigns. Yeah, no and, doubt. Um, and the, the the few little one shots that I have run have usually been modules mm -hmm. written out already for me for a book. So I I believe it or not, in in all my twenty five years of gaming across multiple game systems, right. I really have very little one shot experience other than the few that I've played in. Yeah, and yet and yet I complimented you on technically a one shot you ran mm -hmm. without recognizing you had written it and that was your crush moss session that you ran for D&D &D oh, because yeah. it was very much a one shot you could write that up as a one shot oh you absolutely could you absolutely could um i mean it, it definitely had tie-ins like we were discussing a shit before the mm -hmm. show a little bit um you know the, the the main reason for that whole leg of the campaign was to incidentally introduce you to the real antagonists but in a sympathetic and incidental manner mm -hmm. so that you could experience them but without ever really forming a, an a, aggressive you know, bent towards them and stuff like that. Right. So it did fit into a larger campaign setting, mm -hmm. which I think we're going to be talking about, I believe, next uh, yes. next show. Yes. Um. But yeah, if you if you took all that out and you just like, hey, you're going to go fight a troll. Yeah. I mean, that you're you're absolutely right. That's, well, the the that's... setting that you had set, and mm -hmm. let's we'll, we'll we'll dissect this a little bit as we go sure, through our thing sure. here. Um, was very simple. You you you. You followed a good format in that you set forth the scenario and mm -hmm. realistically, if we carve it out, you had mages and fighters who were brought together by guilds mm -hmm. and, and basically said, hey, we've been paid and you've been ordered to go take care of this problem. Mm -hmm. And so we were dropped basically into scene with people who were from that town that had been displaced. So a we, we get told the story is that a troll came in and displaced the town. Mm -hmm. That's pretty straightforward. These people were – we're, we're clearly in need and we were told we had to take care of it. And so we did. And so the next scene is us moving into that area and discovering some other truths and picking up something that was more than just, oh, we got moved out by the troll. You know, mm -hmm. we've, you know, now there's other elements. And again, the distance between that first and the second scene was just simple description. Sure. You kept the plot moving and simple. And I think one of the things that was important about keeping it simple was you only did one twist. You gave us one little thing in there that seemed weird, which was that someone was missing. Right. That we had a missing person. Right. And that really added a flavor to it because now we were – now we had that piece and we had – we knew that the troll wouldn't have done what he did. Like why did he come into the town? That doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. So we had all these little elements and it was a good little mystery but a base story with one twist that then led us in to discover things about the troll, about where the troll was from. We discovered that it was actually a murder. We found out who the murderer was and then at the end we had to uncover – not only stop the troll but uncover what was going on there. So in all in all, it was a beautiful one shot. And then when you were done, you came home. Yeah. And you got paid. That's right. And, and that was it. That was it. We wrapped it. Yeah. And so in that straightforward plot, you gave us all of the components. Mm -hmm. You gave us a need to go out. You gave us the discovery of what we were doing to be slightly different than what we expected. We then had to deal with the situation. But in the dealing of the situation, there was a turn. Mm -hmm. That turn returned us back to what we were doing, which was solving the problem. 
but differently. Now, now it wasn't just getting rid of Krushmaw. It was getting rid of Krushmaw and exposing the murderer. Yep. And then we returned home different people. We not only slayed a troll, which was amazing, but we also in, unintentionally or intentionally used a ghost to kill the murderer. So <laughs> <laughs> it, it was very intentional. It was. It was exceptionally <laughs> intentional. But I think in that as, di- as a dissect, it was beautiful. It was mm-hmm. it was a simple thing. So I think you have run a one shot. You just don't recognize it because your mind moves to larger plots. But okay. let's bring our focus back. Down. That's fair. That's so. Let's let's start dissecting that on a different level. So let's talk about the basic structure. Sure. All right. So first thing when writing a one shot is know your time constraint. Very much so. Uh, because much you know, so. like you said, you may be playing over a weekend. You might have it, you might have five hours. You might you might have your players for one day for yeah. five hours because everybody's got wacky where, uh, uh, work schedules. Or worse yet, you're sitting at Gen Con and you only have two and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, one way or another though, you've got to know these things. Yep. I mean, you can work wonders in two and a half uh, in two and a half hours. You can. You can if you keep everybody focused and mm-hmm. you keep your plot succinct and stuff like yep. that. I mean, uh, you know, they ran a one shot for uh for charity for Stephen Colbert. Yeah. Uh in 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 what, 20 minutes? Uh yeah, give or take, I would say. I mean, it was, there was a little edited in there, but ordinarily simplistic, very but, much so. but it was a one shot. It was a one shot, you know. Uh, so know know your time constraint. Yes, and write for your time constraint. Yes, and I'm going to say it is. I've seen the stories of GMs who have, you know, even some of the people on our Discord who who play with more than five players at the table. Mm-hmm. I I I don't envy that, but I could just imagine how challenging that would be for a one shot. Yeah, a constrained one shot. Yeah. So I would say be mindful of your players and if you can keep them wrangled, I'm sure you could do great. But if you've got a bunch of new players or people you don't even know, keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. So that that makes a huge thing. So time constraint and player constraint. Yes. So uh, you also want to keep – because of this, yes. you definitely want to make sure that you keep your plot simple mm-hmm. and straightforward. Yeah. One twist. Don't, one twist. Don't you are allowed crazy. one twist. Yes. Um, the second thing you want to do is not not only are, do you want to uh, keep it to one twist, but mm-hmm. you want to avoid red herrings. Yeah, either through your own description or uh, through another. Are you hearing me okay? Yeah, I, I think I your, vo- your volume might be a little bit low. Yeah, it's weird. Can we? Hey, can we Randy, ch- can you check my mic? It just sounds funny in my headset. Looking okay. Might be just my headset. Yeah, his levels seem a little bit low. It's all right. Sorry about this, everybody. It's okay. Just minor thing. Um, we'll work on it. Uh, try tapping your cable at the uh, this side connection point. Do you think this might be doing it? A little bit of weirdness here. Doesn't seem. Oh. What? Oh, there we go. There we go. Oh, so maybe our problem is there on the pot. All right. I think I, that sounds much better to me. All right. And that sound good? That sounds good to me. All right. All cool. right. So let's quickly get back into this. Thank you. All Appreciate right. It. Thank you so much, Randy. Let's take a breath for a second. Yep. Okay. Okay. So as we were saying, avoid red herrings yes. like the plague. Yes. Don't throw it in exposition. Don't have a description in your story that uh, that has like a, a weird detail. Uh, like we were talking about, like, don't don't throw in like an undead child ghost that's running around that has nothing to do with the main plot line 
that doesn't tie into it in any way that just because you want you know that it's a, a cute little side thing that makes sense to you and look and, and those things are those things are great if you're if you're running larger campaign because you can you know you can trip up your players a lot with that and stuff like that but if you're running on a time constraint mm-hmm. Your players are going to find that. They're going to see its significance and they're going to waste three of your five allotted hours yes. chasing this kid that has nothing to do with the plot. And you will regret ever saying anything about them. Trust us. Mm-hmm. Avoid don't, don't throw a singing sword on the table. Herrings. Yeah. Don't don't put an extra switch on the wall that doesn't do anything because they will flip it for hours. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, plot twists. Red herrings. Yep. Got through those. Just overall descriptions. Yeah. Keep your descriptions succinct. Yeah. I mean, some people write some beautiful descriptions of a room that that will take, you know, that take almost twenty minutes on their own to go through. Robert That's, Jordan. <clears throat> excuse me. Oh my Pardon god. Me. Oh my god. Neil Stevenson. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's there. You can go through the authors, but those people write books for a reason, and yep. those books take hours to read. Let's just be honest. But the truth of the matter is, is that you're. The descriptions of your room should just be that. They should be an exposition to get from one point to another and or to give a framing for the action. They don't need to contain any of the reason for action in them other than to say there's actionable items and walk away from it. Don't say that the switch looks gnarly in your description because I assure you some of your players are not going to recognize that. Just give them what their action point is. Why are they in that space? You know, and and that's not to say don't do description. Oh no. But you know, but 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 keep it keep it succinct, keep it on point. Because much like much like red herrings uh and, and plot twists, mm-hmm. people will go like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is the only red item in a room full of blue stuff. Exactly. It must be special. Exactly. And uh, there goes an hour. Yeah. I would say if and this is the way when I ran uh, when I was writing up spaces and I was doing descriptions for spaces, mm-hmm. you should be able to quickly extract from your descriptions in the story, the space, just the, you know, what am I in? Am I in a room or am I in a basement? Am I in a cave? And then what is in the room? There's a table. There's an obelisk. There's a torch. And then what is the actionable item? There's a closed door. Mm-hmm. There's a sealed crevice. There's a, there's a grate chest. in the floor. Yeah. There's light pouring in from an unknown source in the ceiling. Like the the last thing that you get to should always be what is the actionable item so that you can leave it there and say, what do you do? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and at that point, the players, even if they weren't listening to any other part, they hear the what do you do and immediately start looking around the table just like, what did I miss? Right. You right, know, right. and then they can start asking, what do I perceive? What insight? They start going to your skills mm-hmm. and you can have those roles pour out. All right, so those are some quick do's and don'ts. Yep, so we'll get more uh, well, to those. Yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah there'll be a lot more. We'll yeah. kind of a breakdown at the end. Yeah, well, at least we'll try to remember them all. So, uh, but let's start talking about the structure. Yeah. Like kind of the bones, if you will, yeah. like we did with our previous show. We'll kind of bone out this. So when you're talking about your characters, mm-hmm. in, especially in uh, in a quick one shot or anytime when you have this, your character should already be acquainted. They should – you should not have to worry about putting them in a pub and having them have a conversation and figure out why they're together. That should be totally expositional. You should be able to just drop them into the scenario. I mean, again, if your players are going to take care of a crypt, mm-hmm. 
okay, because the temple asked them to. You don't need to have them get to know each other and go through individual discussion points with each one of them from whoever their patron is or whatever this is. You can literally say you are standing outside of the crypt and the head of the the order is talking to you and says, thank you all for coming. I know some of you were pushed into doing this and others of you had asked for it willingly. Uh, Either way, I thank you all. Done. Problem Mm -hmm. solved. Let them deal with that. Or at very least have an understanding of uh, of cooperation. Exactly. Uh, like a, like Shadowrun. Yeah. Like you may never have met any of these people before, but you've all been hired for the same job. So get out there. You're the wheel man. You're the hacker. You're the muscle. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's it's not like a movie necessarily where you have to come up with a reason why they're not all killing each other in the same room. Exactly. They're all there for the money. <laughs> you know, or they're all there for the king, or they're all there for whatever expositional thing you want to throw in. And then that turns your how do why what's our motivation? Why are we all together? Let's all talk about our backstories into yeah. a five minute scene where everybody exactly. starts getting to the actual point of the story. Exactly. Keep it simple, you know. Uh I mean I guess that's Deus Ex, really. Uh, yeah, I for mean, the reason it's 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 a, it's a little bit, but yeah. I mean it's it's I don't know if it's textbook day sex mocking up. No, but I I think it fits within that. Like you're just I the mean, players you're, understand. You're, it. you're engineering the storytelling to yeah. keep it streamlined. Yeah, and I, and I think if you're you're you all know you're there under a time constraint. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think anybody's going to be like, oh, excuse me, uh, Mr. Dungeon Master, um, what's my motivation? Why am I here? That's up to you. Yeah, exactly. Like if you've got the one cleric character who wrote himself up and he hates you know he loves undead and you're going to clear out a crypt uh okay well why are you here right you know maybe maybe you might love undead uh but someone puts you here because you're like a heroin addict and this is how you take care of a problem (laughs) Uh, this is is actually why one of the reasons why uh in a lot of one shots and stuff that you'll see pre-gen characters as well which i agree Uh, with to to avoid the exactly that sort of thing yeah you know because if if the storyteller has control over what characters are going in, they can they can know that they've got the situation balanced oh, yeah. for those characters, yeah. and they know nobody's going to walk in with the "I'm a dark and mysterious lone wolf, I'm a wolf pack of one," or a uh, "I my character's insane and thinks he's a cheeseburger," yeah, you know, exactly. or something exactly. like that. You know, I mean, there are moments and there are good storytellers for that. I assure you that both of those would be fine in a Chris campaign. Mm. Like he'd figure that one out in 30 seconds. And when he's listening to this, I'm sure he's going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah I got plans for that. <laughs> but uh, there's so many reasons why Chris is a better person than me. <laughs> you know, it, it, I don't know if that makes him a better person, but in some ways it makes him an unbelievable storyteller that he can yeah. just figure that solution yep. out. Uh, but anyways, I digress. So once you've got everyone at the point, quickly, without question, expose the job. And again, if we're following the story circle, it should be something simple. It shouldn't it shouldn't be something cryptic. It shouldn't include any of the twists. It should just be something simple. You're going to clear out the crypt. You're going to uh, to help a town by by taking care of a troll. You're you know, stealing a data file from this corporation's right. you know place of business here. Yeah, you're picking up data and delivering it to this group over here. Yep. You know that's it. It's simple. Don't expose the twists. Don't don't bring up any problems. If the players are like, "Oh, what could be down there?" Uh, I don't know. It's a crypt. And, well, and our he, initial intelligence told us it was undead. Right. Period. Yep. 
move on. Yeah. You know? I mean, nope. No other heroes have gone in. On the other hand, if you've got a situation where other heroes have gone in and not come out, you can say that. Mm-hmm. But the idea is, is don't expose what the turn is. Let that come organically. Let the plot bring that out. And then throw them into the journey. Yep. Like just get them started on that resolution. Keep them focused on the resolution as you get to your point of twist before the conflict. Don't don't even don't even ask, does anybody want to do any shopping before we go? No. No, God, no, no, no. No, don't even open that door. No. That that is for longer campaigns, and in fact, somewhere along the lines, we're going to talk about shopping trips mm-hmm. and what it really means to games. <laughs> we're going to buy so many intangible things. It's going to be crazy. Eventually, I want to do a. We need to do a story. You know, one of these podcasts on magic item creation and what it means, really. Oh goodness! I think that could be fun. Oh goodness! Anywho, so as you move through and you've got your antagonist, whatever it may be, be it environmental, be it a particular antagonist remember the plot is driving organically Mm -hmm. sometimes there'll be a twist sometimes there won't sometimes it just the antagonist is the twist what you thought was true isn't necessarily the entire truth the the ghost that's in the crypt isn't a uh isn't a negative source it's a positive one who's just defending something that you that no one knew was there Mm -hmm. you know or you know the troll in this case was in town because his home was invaded mm-hmm. you know and he moved out of the uh, the town you know uh the data file you have that you're transporting from one location to another is not a a corporate you know espionage file but in fact is a news story that they've that they that they stole from a uh, is a news feed that they stole to try and cover up a, a an incident that occurred, and mm-hmm. this is an expose. You're delivering it to a new a, a news drop location. Mm-hmm. You know the that's the twist. It's something that just slightly changes the story from what the original story was, and allows the characters to now be exposed to that new information to make a difference in the ending. But ultimately, it doesn't change your initial goal. Not at all. You're you, still getting no, it. Nobody has to sit down and have a deep strategy session. Nope. At the ninth hour, nope. they 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 it's still the job is still get the thing right and bring it back to the to the end point. It's just not the thing that we thought it was. Right. It, we're, our our job is still get rid of the troll. Right. But it's not because we thought the troll was hungry. It's now because the troll has a ghost living in his uh, in his den. Right. And maybe we need to do something about that. But we yeah. still need to get rid of the troll. Right. Whether it's kill the troll mm-hmm. or force it to go home, mm-hmm. whether it knows it should go home or not, you know, and then dealing with the resolution at the end of that story. Yep. Like, how do you resolve that? As players. Now, the resolution is you come back and they're like, yeah, the troll's gone. Or, yes, you got the data in. Or, yes, everything else. But what does it change about the players? Do you, do you take the money? Do you, do you take the money reluctantly? Do you, you know, give a finger to the man and walk away? You know, mm-hmm. there, there's, that's up to the players. Now they've changed as a person to return back to their lives. Yep. So, yeah. And, Go ahead. So I was just going to say, so so basically kind of in summation, mm-hmm. what this looks like is is you're not going to go through a lot of the typical machinations that you're going to do in a, in a, in a larger thing. You're right. going to have your characters already together. Yep. You're going to immediately propose to them what, what, the, what the mission is. Mm-hmm. They're going to go on that mission immediately. Mm-hmm. There will be conflict on that mission. Yep. That Obstacles. conflict, that, 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 that. Well, typically it's going to be – you're only going to have time for one, maybe two encounters. 
I would agree with that. Um, in, in your typical, some discovery, like, if if you're trying to do like the like your typical one day session, yes. yes. Um, now you, you can get away with a lot more if you if you are going to be playing over, say, like the course of a weekend or something. Let me change up my my statement, and sure. it might help us. You may have one. You you will have at least two scenes where the players can interact with the story mm-hmm. directly between descriptions, and I agree with that. Same whether those scenes are uh, discovery, whether those scenes are uh, action. Whether those scenes are social, I think all of those things come into play when dealing with that those moments. And I think that's where my mind comes in is that you may have one action sequence and two discovery uh, sequences where they're doing something either social or physical, you know, or you might have two action sequences. But the idea is, is that you're not going to have like five or right. ten action sequences because action takes time. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, and especially if, like, if you're playing like D and D or something like that, or your combat can take quite a while, uh, you know, you may you may only have time for you know specifically one combat scene or something like that. Um, but generally, you're it's it's going to be very straightforward. You're going to go to the place. You're going to have conflict at that place. That conflict may have a twist to it. But basically, you're going to have that conflict immediately upon getting there, and then you're going to have your resolution. The, the the bad guy's beaten. You go home, or you get the you steal the thing. You go home, one way or another. But you're not going to end up with lots of different jumps and twists and whatnot in there. Right. Exactly. So yeah. And it, it, it's very linear, uh, and it, yeah. it almost sounds boring in a way. But trust me, you can pack a lot of of drama into just that straightforward path. No, and I, I and I agree with that, and I think it. It opens up a lot to it, but I think as a storyteller, as you as you're doing one shots and as you're learning this process, you kind of get a feel from your very first encounter with the players how long those action sequences are going to take, mm-hmm. or how long one of those um, one of those I will say skill or or social based encounters are going to take based upon how they move through it, and you don't want to railroad them through it, you don't want to shove them through it. You want it to be happen organically, and if that means you have to sacrifice an upcoming scene because your timing is long, that's good. Okay, right. You want right. you want to make sure you're getting through the plot, but you're not forcing them through the plot. You want them to enjoy it as they move through it, mm-hmm. and sometimes that means sacrifice. Yeah, and and that's that's the thing too is if your characters are or if your players, I should say, are enjoying it. If they really are like genuinely enjoying the role play that they're having with, you know, the old crypt keeper at the entrance sure. of the of the crypt or something like that, let it go. You know, yeah. maybe maybe that that first room where they have to figure out a puzzle, like maybe you don't need to stop them from interacting with the guy. Right. You can just get rid of the puzzle room. Yeah, exactly. You know? And I think the other thing that you said when we were waiting is a perfect example of that is that. If your players are doing exceptionally well in a space, meaning maybe they're trying to – maybe it's a riddle master kind of thing where mm-hmm. they have to hit a certain sequence or they have to answer a question a certain way. If they're doing well as a group and there's a, a sense of of completion and, and success that they're, they're feeling as a group, let them get past it with whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, make, make it work organically. Oh, <laughs> I mean I'm, I'm going to say two things. First off, I agree with what you just said. Yeah. 
Second thing is that wasn't my point. <laughs> okay, okay. My point actually was if they are doing the exact opposite, if they are falling flat on their face. Oh, okay. That was the you other thing we were written, talking about. Yeah. So, so it, one shots are one shots are great little places to put like little puzzles. Oh yeah. You know, because I mean, everybody loves puzzles, and and, and yeah. especially like if you're playing a, a fantasy setting like Dungeons and Dragons, where you've got um, your typical you know dungeon crawl elements, mm-hmm. where you're going to need to get into you know the ancient tomb and unlock the door with the weird puzzle right. which has got like a riddle to it or something or you got to push keys in a specific sequence or right. something that lets you inside where you get to fight the big bad guy and get the MacGuffin that you got to right. bring home right. okay there's your plot arc right so your party gets into the uh into the secret room into the the, the chamber the with escape the puzzle. room if you will if they get into the chamber with the puzzle they've got to open the big door to have the bad the, the, the fight with the bad guy right and they're just pressing buttons at random because they have not figured out the riddle that tells them what order to push the buttons in. And it's been 45 minutes and you are starting to eyeball the clock because you're not sure if they're going to get through not the combat encounter mm-hmm. and the MacGuffin and the resolution at the end, you know. Right. And your wife has to work at 8 p.m. tonight. So let's get this show on the road. Right. At a certain point, they are not going to figure out this riddle. Right. They are not going to push the correct sequence of buttons. I don't care if it says they have to push blue, yellow, yellow, red, red, red in your notebook. Mm-hmm. If they try something sufficiently clever, hey, you got it. Right. The door opens because you know what? You're going to have the exact same – It's they're going to get the exact same amount of satisfaction out of stumbling into a Success. solution. Yeah. As they would if they had genuinely stumbled into sol- into the solution. I completely agree. I completely it, agree. At, at the point at which they're stumbling already, it does not matter. Move the plot on. Yeah. You did something clever. Pat on the back. Let's fight yeah. the bad guy. And and don't make it seem like you're just giving it to them. Oh, no, no, no. Never, never say never that. Never say that. Don't allude never to it. Never say that. Just, just be like roll some dice on your side and be like – Okay, okay. And this happens. And for God's sakes, don't have the world take care of it for you. Don't have like an imp come out of the corner with a key and unlock the door for them. You know, that truly is Deus Ex Machina. Yeah. Yeah. And that's horrific to the players. Mm -hmm. Let them have a success. Sure. You know, that's that's the whole point. We don't want that to be a bad situation. Once they're in it, it's up to them to complete it. But at the same time, there's no reason why you can't say the completion's different than what it was supposed to be. Yep. Absolutely. You know, whatever that is. But yeah, don't take the win from them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, one of the things I always like you that you do uh, when we're coming to the end of the fight, or, you know, especially with fights is how do you want to handle this? How do you want to end this? Mm-hmm. You know, the last player to do the last blow, like how do you want to handle that? And I think that's a better way of saying you defeated the monster. That's a, that that's absolutely a Matthew Mercerism that yeah. I 100 percent stole from him. That's great. Shamelessly. No, but, it's, it's good. But but it allows you that cinematic moment to yep. to you know to to interject yourself, and I and I think that's a really great thing because it shows that you're a fan of your players. Yes, and that's that's one of those big like DMing rule number ones is yep. always be a fan of your players. Yep, yep. You know, if your player does something cool, if they land that killing blow, let them have a moment in the, in the spotlight. You know, totally. All right. Um, we talked one thing. Oh, we didn't talk about genre. Uh, well. Yeah, yeah, we got to talk about genre. Um, I do want to talk about one, one, one real quick thing before that, and that Which is we've that? we've done a lot of uh, uh, tone it down, limit it down, mm-hmm. keep it movings, you know, sort yeah, of yeah. talk. But I did want to mention like the 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 upswing to one shots. Okay, and that being that uh, your lack of long term consequences, being that this is just a one shot and you're never going to see these characters again. 
allows you to really swing for the fences when it comes to plot twists and 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 stuff like that. Oh, make it make it a big plot twist. Oh yeah, you want to kill NPCs, you want uh earth ending, you know, you want Cthulhu to show up in your game. Sure. You're not going to see these characters ever again, man. Yeah. Roll have roll, a god show up. Roll the old, roll the old yeah. one in. Yeah. yeah. Why Absolutely. not? Why not? Why not? It's you know. it's a great plot reveal. You never get to see him, you yeah. know. Yeah. Go go big or go home. Yeah, no, I know? agree. I completely agree that that's a it's a good test bed too. It allows you a flexibility as a storyteller to be able to go and play mm-hmm. and 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 do a voice or do something wild with sure. a scene, you know, uh and and make it something different, you know? If and they want to kill a god, let them kill a god, yeah. you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If that's if that's in the cards, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, go go through your monster manual, find something huge that you've never seen. You want to fight a Trask? Fight a Trask, man. Yeah, give it a you, shot. This isn't this isn't a game world. This isn't an ongoing campaign. You don't have to worry about where where that Trask came from or where it goes afterwards. Exactly. Or if they don't, they want to like, I don't know, make a deal with it. Or, you know, I mean, if any if you if you total party kill them, whatever, you're not ruining a campaign. Eh, I, I suppose. Every, I, Everybody high fives at the end of the night and goes, oh, that was awesome. We got killed by a Trask and you all got a great story to tell. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's what comes back to like know your genre, like going in, let you know, work with your players to figure mm-hmm. out what they wanted to do. If they wanted an adventure where they're heroes, let them be heroes right to the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, on the other hand, if you want to do horror and make everything kind of spooky and right and, and like right. everything is crazy that's going on, like nothing seems like it should be and everything's out there to jump scare you kind of thing, sure, do it. But I think the one thing that we kind of separated out that's on its own is the survival one shots. You know? Yeah, yeah. See, when I when I wrote when I wrote these notes down, um, I put down like, okay, if you're going to run a heroic game, you know, you're the you're the protagonist. Right. So you're the ones who's going to win the day. You're yep. going to be the big darn heroes at the end of the day. Right. If you're running survive, or if you're running a, a a horror game, on the other hand, like Dread or Call of Cthulhu or something like that, you're prey. Yeah. And your victory condition is I lived to the end of the game. Right. You may not have even accomplished what you were the, what you were set out to do. Yeah. But you're going to spend that entire game hunted, not yeah. hunting. Yeah. I mean, starting your players off literally in a prison where they have no idea why they're there. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly the prison doors open because they realize the prison is now being run by the prisoners. Mm-hmm. You know, that that changes the game completely. Yep, really and now does. they're surviving their way out of the prison. Yeah. So, so you can almost get that like sort of uh, Lara Croft Tomb Raider sort of, uh, you know, you've got a lot of adverse odds against you. Yeah. Things are, are very dark, very grim. Mm-hmm. You almost seem like you're being, you know, you're like your worm being dangled on a hook. Yep. But that, but from that, you kind of get a heroic ending. Yeah. Which is kind of a, a weird mix between that horror genre of I'm prey, but you come out of it the hero in the end so right. it's that uh it's there's an interesting genre you've got in between there yeah yeah definitely definitely all right do we want a quick wrap of uh do's and don'ts or at least the hard don'ts yeah i think i think we did a pretty good job of this um as we were going through but uh a couple of simple don'ts let's go with that sure um don't start far away like traditionally in campaigns, you know, everybody gets together in the inn and sits down and, you know, or they meet that way. And there's, you know, the whole like discovery of who you are part of the campaign and then the journey to where you're going and and to deal with the protagonist, you know, or or the antagonist, uh, you know, as, a, you know, but you, you want to get to a point where you're close. 
You don't need that journey. You don't need that discovery of the players. The players will discover each other along the route, Mm -hmm. you know, or they already quote unquote know each other and that's all ironed out. You know, you want to keep that part tighter. You want it as almost as tight as possible or almost invisible because, again, you don't have the time to do that role play and that discovery and that bonding. You want those binds are those bonds already bound. So Uh, you want to don't add erroneous NPCs or items. No, I agree. Plot in one story. Yeah. Um, So, you know, kind of like we talked about red herrings earlier uh, and erroneous NPCs and whatnot. All kind of have to do with red herrings. Mm-hmm. Uh, every every um, every character you add is potentially someone someone's going to waste forty five minutes talking to. Yep. Yep. Uh, don't. Uh, what was the other one? Oh yeah, don't make everything inescapable. I mean, I understand like the 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 survivor design where you you want to make things challenging and right mm-hmm. down to the nitty gritty, you know, or really neat. Uh, plot devices like you know like you were talking about where you've got a riddle you know and it's these specific switches and if they go to each one of the rooms they can learn the pieces that they need to be able to unlock the tome Mm -hmm. you know and get it to return but at some point your players are not going to be as smart as you or they'll miss something or worse yet they drop the key because they roll a one Mm -hmm. you know and now they're stuck now they can't complete it don't don't set yourself in that point. Always have your own internal MacGuffins ready to go in your head to be able to help them move forward and complete whatever it is. I would say your one exception to that rule is if you're playing horror. I would agree. You want it to feel tight and tense in that sense. But again, your genre helps decide that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but but yeah, if if you, if your if your characters are in any way the heroes and yeah. should succeed, then then yeah, that's that's, that's, that's yeah, it's definitely solid. genre driven. I would yeah. say yeah, definitely. Uh, so here we talked about the uh, solutions to puzzles, mm-hmm. um, and then don't don't railroad them uh, just because you want them to get to the plot quicker. Yeah, it's it's very tempting because yeah, we're all on time constraints, and we spent a great deal of this episode talking about how yeah, you know, cut all this other extraneous stuff out and get them right to the point. Cut this out, get them right to the point. But but there's a certain point at which that becomes railroading. Totally, totally. And uh, at that point, you have taken away player agency. Yep. Yep. Uh, nobody likes that. At that point, you're just reading them a book mm-hmm. and they're just sitting at the table going, oh, OK, we do all this stuff, I guess. Right. And it gets awkward. Yeah. It's no longer enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Nobody's rolling dice. No one's – I mean even if they are, they're just either just automatically succeeding and you're telling them a whole bunch of exposition based on what they succeeded on. And that seems weird and 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 no fun because they're not really moving through a story. You know, Like you said, they're just being told. So, yep. All right. So we've got about, uh, what, about 20 minutes left? Yeah, I think we have time for to be able to get through some fun questions. Yeah, absolutely. We can even take time with them this time. (laughs) I like that. Oh, my God. Not rushing through our questions. It feels feels, uh, distinctly off-brand for us. I would agree. I would agree. All right. Uh, We do have a couple questions, though. We do have three. These are good. Um, So Technolich has got a question. When doing one-shots, do you find it advantageous to clue the players into the type of scenario for the purpose of character building or even go so far as to place specific restrictions, i.e. you all have to be colonial space marines? Yes and yes. I I go back to one-shots should be crafted. Mm -hmm. It should feel crafted. If I'm doing a one-shot in 7C, I, I may not let them all be random characters. I I will want to know uh, that there are specific roles being filled and or I might give them like, you're all musketeers. I don't care what you are, 
but you're all musketeers. I don't know how you got there. I don't know if you're old. I don't know if you're young, whatever, but you're all musketeers. You yeah, know, absolutely. I, I would definitely set the feeling and the tone, and I find that makes the the adventure all as a whole more cohesive. Yeah, I I think I'm I'm. God, this is even a, it's it's even a rule I I use for for my longer campaigns. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I set you guys up with that. You mm-hmm. know, doesn't matter. Just fighters guild or mages guild. Yep. You just you just let me know where your character lies, but they're going to be a member of one of those two. Makes it easy. Um, because. That way, I've got a reason why you're all together. And then we don't run into that, you know, I don't know. I just met this guy in a tavern. I don't want to be part of this group. Then why are you playing the game? You know, either lean into it or don't. Yep. Um, And you don't have time for that, especially in a one shot. Um, So I would say at at very least tell them they all have to be a specific – part of a specific group or have a specific motivation. Right. Sometimes it's given to you, like Shadowrun. Sure. That's a perfect example of where the motivation is literally handed to you on a silver plate. Mm-hmm. And then as the story goes on, that motivation changes because they become a band of brothers. Yeah. And that, that drives things. In some game systems like uh, Dungeon World, the binds are there. They're part of the character They're creation. They're part of character creation, So it yeah. makes it really easy to say, you guys are here because you chose to be here with yep. each other and for these reasons. Yeah. So I think, yes, uh, it is definitely advantageous to clue them in because I think – for this type of scenario, whether it be horror or anything else, I think there's a step in the right direction to say why you're telling them to create their character a certain way or a certain feel. And I think you can go so far as to place restrictions if you feel that the story would uh, move better based upon that. And I, I definitely would say, yeah, like there's no question if I'm doing a space game that involves aliens – you know, and it's set in the, I don't know, Rifts campaign, I might say you're all coalition. Mm-hmm. 100%. You're all coalition. I don't care what you are coalition, but you're all coalition. Right. You right. know, that's just the way it is. So, yeah, totally good question. Solidly on point, I would say that. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. uh, okay, so the Mad Elf asks, uh, for one shots, do you personally like to keep games simple or go all out high level characters optional rules everyone has a relic epic space opera hmm uh i think it depends on the players i think i think i already answered this one for myself okay i, I think i'm i'm definitely a go big or go home if i'm running a one shot sure um you know that that is the game where the Tarask or cthulhu or something is awful is going to show up where uh you're going to have an end of the world plot but um the world actually genuinely will end if you fail. Uh, something like that. I don't know. Um, there's a million ways you can do it. But uh, I think if you've got no consequences, no lasting consequences, right. you should absolutely shoot for the stars. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have to worry about how your holy avenger on your paladin is going to unbalance my campaign in the long run if there is no campaign in the long run. Nope. Nope. Exactly. Or, or even scene to scene. Right. Um, but you're going to need that against the arc lich that I'm going to put you up against. 100%. Yes. No, no. I, I definitely think there's a balance there. But I think as a storyteller, because it's a one shot, you can open the full can. Mm-hmm. I think as far as player creation, which I think you're kind of getting at, I think you you can uh, you can definitely set the bar higher. But I think that's up to you. I mean, I, I could run a one shot that's all first level characters or I could run a one shot that's 10th level characters. Yeah. I, I mean – 
Here's the thing, though, is that I would I would almost deliberately stray away from lower level characters um, okay. in in one shot, and I'll t- and I'll tell you why for just just dramatic purposes. Sure, um, you can make an argument for the zeros to heroes story. Sure, um, and and that's that's a a story trope that I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. I will die on that hill. Okay, zeros to heroes is one of my favorite things in the world. Okay, I agree. Um, so keeping in mind that that's probably the one exception to what I'm about to say. Sure. Uh, I think lower level heroes, like especially if you're going to do like the first level D&D characters sort of thing mm-hmm. or like neophyte vampires mm-hmm. or, you know, New whatever. Bloods, it, what, yeah. yeah uh, uh, first first run, you know, runners, you sure, know, fresh sure. to the scene, you know, whatever uh, your, your, your particular genre of choice is. Um, your story is about discovery. Mm-hmm. And is about character growth mm-hmm. and coming into your own and finding your own strength and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think a lot of the true drama of that type of storytelling is lost on a one shot. That makes sense. Because once you've – okay, so your character has gone from being a farmer to a first level fighter because they took up their father's sword mm-hmm. and went and killed a bunch of goblins. Yeah. Cool. One shot's done. You're never going to play that character again. It sucks. Who did that character become? Who are they? Yeah. Where, where do they? What do they? You know, it's yeah. the beginning of a story that never gets told. Right. Whereas, you know, I'm Brother Azalius, a a chaplain marine of the uh, of the second, you know, forty second order, who has taken on you know five different space hulks and helped clear a planet, and now have been asked by the emperor himself. To step into the edge of the void and save a brother. Uh-huh. You know, that's that's a one-shot. You are going to need a heavy flamer for that heresy. You're darn right <laughs> I am. Yep, yep. And the Terminator who's coming with me doesn't matter to the storyteller. Mm-hmm. You know, that guy who's carrying around a full auto cannon because that's what he's packing is fine. It's fine. And it's blessed. Damn right. <laughs> you know? So I, I I think Matt I think to answer Matt Elf's question for a one shot, not necessarily milk run, but a one shot, go ahead, let it let let the cannons open, do it, mm-hmm. enjoy it, you know. Overwatch <laughs> is the perfect milk run really a milk run? When you say perfect milk run, the first thing that goes into my mind is five hijinks and two almost failures and at least one half dead person. Oh god. <laughs> that is a perfect milk run. That is literally the way it's <laughs> that is that is that is the the quintessential moment that we you were, know you've done it you as a storyteller, you've done it right. We were just going to Stuffer Shack for some Twinkies. What happened? <laughs> oh man. Oh man, yeah. Totally. I, I and and that's the thing is, is that those types of, of milk runs um are just that. They're they're designed to twist the characters mm-hmm. and they're there for growth. Like you were saying, like if it's just a, a one shot, that's different. But the moment that you step into the realm where you've got uh, where it's the opening, it's mm-hmm. that first breath into the game and you're getting these characters, you know, mixed up in the world, you want it to be scary and weird and funny and 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 uh, you know a few terrifying moments to help them accept the world as it's going to be and give them that flavor so i think in the indifference to a one shot a, a perfect milk run is far from perfect <laughs> you know I, I i think oh god 
I don't know. I don't know what, what my answer to this question is, honestly. I think the perfect milk run is only a milk run. Everything else is a disaster waiting to happen. <laughs> like if you walk in and you get milk and you walk out, that is the perfect milk run. But the moment guns get drawn. <laughs> see, see, and that's me is, is that I would say if you go into the store to get milk and you come out the door – as a storyteller, you've maxed up because what it should be is you walk into the stuffer shack to get the milk and you look at the wall and it's all 2% and you need a can- you need one gallon of whole milk and you're like, uh-oh. Right. <laughs> like, I just made it across town. You know, it's the, we just made it across town. We got past the gang, you know, the gang bangers. We got past the uh, the police uh, with our, our questionable car. I guess and, the real question is, whose definition of perfect are we operating off of? The Shadowrunners or the, uh, or the storyteller? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, did you get the money at the end? Then it was perfect. Right. Yep. Did you live to spend the money? That's then right. It, then it was perfect. Yep, exactly. Flawless. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I I like I like a good milk run, but at the same time when I say I like a good milk run, it's it's like I like a good gunshot wound to the shoulder. That's yes. <laughs> yes. So, it's it's weird to say it, but it's true. It's true. So, well, yeah, I mean con- conflict breeds drama, you always. Know? So, if you've got no conflict, you've got no drama. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. So one of the questions we had last week, because we've got a little bit of time left, and I kind of want to dive back into it because we, oh, yeah, we touched yeah, yeah, it really yeah. quick, was that Technology had a question about henchmen and and followers. And we, we really touched it really, really fast. Um, and uh, I wanted to kind of dive back to it because I felt that it was important that we could talk more about that. And I, I see we've got, you know, we probably got a good, I don't know, nine minutes to go over it. Um, so that gives us a little extra time. Let me see if I can find, pull it. Do you, uh, the, do you got it? it? Yeah. Okay, go for okay, it. Okay, so Technicalish asks, uh, companions, companions, animals, thank you. henchmen, followers, droids. I'm so glad you put droids in there. <laughs> uh, what are some good ways to handle them without becoming a time and energy suck on the game? My current campaign has three, maybe four. The monk keeps forgetting his, and it really drags things down at times. I'm, I'm going to say this right now because mm-hmm. I know we we didn't address this before. Technology. If your monk has a follower and forgets about him, that's not your monk's fault. Yep, that's not your monk's fault. Then first off, he probably isn't important. Nope. And second off, that's probably a blessing and not a curse. I would completely agree with that statement. Um, so here's my my expanded thought on followers uh, is that – look, this is – when it comes down to it at the end of the day, um, this is a story about your heroes, about mm-hmm. your player characters. Yep. OK? They are the protagonists of the story. If this were a movie, they would be cast by you know big, big ticket actors mm-hmm. – who would have their names in, you know, in lights in the credits. They wouldn't even wait for the credit roll. They right. would actually get their like, you know, starring, blah, 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 blah. And yep. then it would fade to black and then the credits would roll. And okay. their name would come up a second time with everyone and else. And they would be the first names right. listed on there. Right. Yeah. Okay. So keeping keeping that in mind is 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 paramount here. Okay. Your followers are at best extras cameos mm-hmm. okay they're not the heroes of the story um, unless they are a valuable npc to your plot they shouldn't even have plot of their own and i i, I would i would beg to differ that they even should have a value to your plot they should have a value to the character's background and plot perhaps that specific plot that little arc but as far as the main plot they should be able to be thrown away 
just yeah. as easily. Now, a, granted, a knight having a squire, maybe like again, if that if that's like important to the to the knight's backstory or something. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, I'm sorry, R two is not a companion. R two is a main character. Yep. In that story, because he drives plot. Without a question, he's he's an overarching main character across multiple stories. Sure. If anything. Sure. So. I would say even though he appears to be a background character because he doesn't have voice lines in every scene, mm-hmm. he's still exceptionally important. Sure. He but drives, I think – He drives the plot directly in a lot of ways in those movies. But if you – and again, I'm going to be a terrible person here and Chris is probably going to be able to, to answer this one as well. If you've got a character like Lando's uh, guy – his his machine, basically, the guy who's got that wrapper on the side of his head, you know, who ends up doing a few tasks for him. That guy is a, is literally a companion support character, right? Oh, I'm so disappointed that I know that character's name. Lobot. I know. What? Lobot. Exactly. Yeah. So that guy is quintessentially what I believe henchmen are, what followers, what companions are. They are an object. Yes. They are there to be yes. used as an object and should have a specific purpose in the game so like like a like a healer's kit mm-hmm. or a workbench mm-hmm. or anything else the player should know exactly what they can get out of it and the only difference is it talks so if you've got a follower who's a you know who's a scavenger kid right and they're there learning from you as a master there's nothing that says you can't send them out to get parts mm-hmm. great they're going to go through the junkyard and find your parts which you could have done but they are literally doing it for you. Yeah. So you just get to do something else right. while, while they're doing that. That's right. And, you know, maybe the DM rolls with disadvantage to see how good they do or maybe you do. Right, because they're just a kid and they're not the hero. Correct. They don't have a full skill set. They don't have anything else. They're very simply that. And mm-hmm. the things that they bring back should not be plot driven. Mm-hmm. They should be requirements to other things that the player wants to do. But as far as plot goes, that is for the players. Yeah. 100 percent. It's players for the players. need to make all the big discoveries. You shouldn't have that stuff off camera. Correct. Being done by an unimportant NPC. And and unless the – and this is where things get a little gray. Mm-hmm. Unless the plot gave them the thing, not a not as a reward and it's not something they've paid for, meaning they paid for it with XP or whatever the currency of your game is, right? That device should not be used up by you. In other words, if, you know, your players are, are at a tournament, you know, and the knight is getting ready and he looks for a squire and he's not there. And when he goes to find him, the squire is injured and dying, right? That's rude to the player because now his squire, his follower is, is, has the possibility of dying right there on the spot, right? Because he was, you know, stabbed by the villain. Now, assuming he doesn't die, that's great, you know, but that does, that scene is unnecessary necessarily unless you gave – unless that squire is there for a reason, right? They – putting people – you know, nor should I believe that you should throw like no different than like throwing your longsword at the enemy. You know, if you throw your NPC into a situation believing that they're going to survive, <laughs> no. No. If you're like, hey, go take out the leader, your NPC should be smart enough to go like that ain't going to work out. Yeah, your, 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 your NPC followers all wear red shirts. Correct. Correct. And they should be treated as such. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't care how villainous you are as a character. Yep. You should understand your limitations of your henchmen and of your followers because they are expendable to say the least. Now, if you're running a game that has that as a mechanic, I think all bets are off. That's a different story. Mm-hmm. But again, they're an object. They're bullets in a gun. They're, they're a bench. They're whatever. 
Yep. I agree. So I hope that kind of helps a little bit technology. It might give you a different feeling on, on it. And, and for your game, you, you may have to slowly craft that, but I think it's a discussion you should definitely have with your players about what's going on. Cause I think that will change the tone and feeling of those NPCs and allow a little more, I guess, leniency to the players to be able to play the game with less weight dragging them, you know, and give them more direct benefits. Yeah, I think I think it's I think it's better for everybody to just kind of, you know, streamline the game like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's we're we're not telling stories about just some random random NPCs. No. Nope. You know, I'm I if I'm sitting at the table, I'm there to tell my story. Right. I'm there to hear other people tell their stories. Right. Not I don't I don't I mean I don't I don't care what your what your your saddlebag jockey, you know, is carrying around. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I really don't. Right. And if we spend more than five minutes on that discussion, then I'm I'm not having fun anymore. Correct. Now, on the other hand, I'm going to throw this all out for one quick second here to give you one crazy idea. Sure. If you start a one shot and you have all your players make characters and tell you know at like you know tenth level characters, mm-hmm. and they get a follower that they've had for the last five levels. They have to write that up as well and present it to you a week before the game, mm-hmm. and then you roll up what their followers are, and in the opening room, kill them all, and then they hand them their followers. <laughs> You're twisted. I know, but that you sounds are... like a fantastic one shot. <laughs> God. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, wait a second. Are you telling me this is all gauged to 15th level, and now we have 5th level characters? That's not what I'm saying, but I am saying that. <laughs> Vaya con Dios. That's right. Enjoy yourselves. <laughs> Enjoy yourselves. All right. So I think that kind of wraps up today's. Yeah, I think so. Um, so uh, next next week, what are we talking about? I think we're talking about bigger plots, like the the arcs, the huge arcs. Yeah. You know, we're not we're not going to uh, we're not going to dabble around anymore. We're hitting the top of the the elephant, if you will. Yeah. We we talked uh, we talked a bit last week about about writing in general, writing plots, yes. and such like that. Uh, we talked about writing the short uh, the short game this time. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we're gonna talk about writing the long game next time. Yeah. Kind of bringing that story circle and talking about how the little pieces fit into the big one, mm-hmm. and where you can kind of do little hooks and little changes and and make it all fit into a bigger image without talking about setting because i think that's going to be our story after that yeah i think i think settings setting and world building yeah it's again small bites on that oh, one. oh god yeah god. small bites so big topic so yeah, all right no would you bring us in randy thank um, you you can find us on twitter at st underscore conclave or on instagram at st underscore conclave uh, also, if you look on our Twitter, you will find the link there to get to our Discord. Please join us there and uh, ask questions. Join the conversation. We'd love to have you. Uh, I want to uh, thank our Patreon members, uh, everybody who supports our show. A uh, big shout-out to you. Thank you so much for uh, for helping us keep this whole thing going. Special shout-out to Knox in the Box, yes. uh, who's uh, donated at our, at our $10 level. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we, uh, we love you so much. Uh, thank you for, for your contributions. Um, our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Gooey Frog and our outro music which you're hearing now is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Mid-Air Machine. You can find all this music and more on freemusicarchive.org We record here at Podcast Detroit which is podcastdetroit.com or on Twitter at Podcast Detroit. Remember every month we've uh, they've got a uh, free podcast and uh, you can come in and record your own so mm-hmm. you can start your own world that way as well if you're interested in starting a podcast and want a little help in getting it going. 
Uh, our engineer today is Randy, and we'd like to thank him very much for helping us out. And we'd like to thank our families, Vicki, Sean, and all of our friends and players who play with us. And especially you, our listeners. Thank you. We love you. Good night.